This episode of the Managing Midget Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the world and is now available in all of Europe, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. That's right. Europe and Australia is about to get a lot less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in Europe, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you've gone years without using the right tools for the job, but that's not the case anymore. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. We really, really, really hope that all of the Real Madrid players are firing up their Manscaped before they hit the pitch against Atletico Madrid on Sunday. And if you want to get in on this action, which you should, get 20% off and free shipping with the code managingmadrid at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code managingmadrid. Your balls will thank you. And also, just in case you missed it, last night, yesterday, on the patron RSS feed, a banger of a show. We had a three-parter, Las Blancas, and then Jeremy Barron joined me, Keon Sabani, to discuss Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid's all-time 11 combined with the one simple rule. There must be at least five Atletico players in the starting lineup to make it more interesting. And then there was a part three. It was a three-parter. Part three, Lucas Navarrete and I on the world-famous Managing Madrid mailbag where we answered questions from fans about transfers, tactics, and a bunch of other things. So if you want access to that and all of our patron-only shows, go to patreon.com slash managingmadrid. And today's show is a Atletico Madrid preview with Jose Perez. And without further ado, let's preview a massive derby on Sunday. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog wonderful lads that do a great job there and worth reading about that man there so he bets a man needs to rest and the numbers reveal why Hello and welcome to a bonus Friday edition of the Managing Major Podcast. We are here to break down, or actually preview, we're not going to break down yet, but we're going to preview a very, very big and consequential game this weekend, this Sunday, between Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid, our cross-town cross city rivals. Um, we've been punching them back and forth over the last decade, I mean really since forever, but really the last decade or so has been extra interesting between between the two teams and now we have a situation where it's not only a Madrid derby but the title is literally on the line uh, whoever wins this game it has big consequences not only in the head-to-head but also just in the the jostling for first place and second place and all that stuff so who better who better to join me to preview this than our preview analyst guru scouting report extraordinaire Jose Perez Jose how you doing uh, hello, Kian. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me as usual. This, of course, from a fan perspective, it's an exciting game. It's the most, I mean, it's the biggest game of the Liga season this time around. The title gets decided, pretty much gets decided on this matchup. From a tactical perspective, it's really just a premium edition of Real Madrid versus a deep block. So, tactically speaking, <laughs> it might be a bit more boring. Well, this is interesting because. You know, we had a similar conversation, maybe not you and I, because this kind of podcast segment is a little bit new, but just the general uh, discourse in the last derby was 
you know, this is a really good athletic Atletico team. They're attacking a little bit more. Um, they're not as defensively oriented, although they're still solid defensive, but just in a different way, and they've gotten more out of their attack, which still holds strummy. Marco Sirente is still in a tear. Luis Suarez is incredibly efficient. Jao Felix has cooled off a little bit, but maybe, you know, looks like he has a fire under his belly if we're talking about that Villarreal game. But the discourse then was like, you know, this is maybe not a defensive team anymore, or if it is, it's a different version of Atletico. Um, but now we're talking about like, you know, this is Atletico coming off the back of multiple games now this season where they go into that weird 6-3-1 thing defensively. They did that most recently against Chelsea. I'm maybe off the bat. Do you think we'll see that version of Atleti? Like, is there any chance we go back to their 4-4-2? Or, or do you think Simeone is pretty set on going this more defensively oriented, like super defensively where they have six at the back and they go into that shell? So I think this is one game where if I had to bet, I'm I would bet that we will keep seeing like the more defensive version of Aleti that we've been seeing uh, recently. Uh, but if there is a game where the approach could change, it could be this one because the key difference, really what changes everything for Aleti in this game is that if I am correct, Trippier is back. Yes. Um, Carrasco and too. And if that's... Oh, he's Carrasco. I thought he was still injured. Okay, that... I um, could be wrong. That... I, 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 I thought he was back. Maybe I should have research that a little bit more but i i was jeremy told me yesterday on the podcast i think carrasco was back so maybe maybe not okay I'll, yeah okay because that's important that's all that's important like aleti having both of their wingers in um of their wing backs in really changes things a lot for aleti because i think if we go through atleti's uh, season i think there was a turning point more or less around December when they faced us, um, where afterwards things kind of went on decline. And uh, the two big factors were, A, the entire situation with Joao Felix, who started the season really well. Then his performance had been decreed and cooled off over time. He even lo- lost the starting spot. He still doesn't have the starting spot. Uh, so that was one factor in making Aleti less offensive. The other big factor was... Uh, Trippier, uh, Trippier's suspension for for ten game yeah. t- ten game ban, uh, because that kind of forces um, uh, Simeone to kind of redo the entire team, like stuff like moving Carrasco from the left wing to the right wing was to compensate for the lack of Trippier. So, so a lot of things were moved around and a lot of things changed without Trippier. And now if uh, uh, if Simeone has access to both Carrasco and Trippier, that might see finally a bit more of an offensive version of of Aleti. And by and by more offensive, I mean they are not going to defend in a six three one, but it will still be as defensive as what we saw uh, in December at the very least. As a neutral of sorts, watching Atleti Chelsea play, or maybe you did, you did feel like you wanted one team to win one way or the other. I'm not sure, but do you feel that that six three one was conducive to them in their game plan against Chelsea, like in, conducive to them advancing in that tie? Um, obviously, they've lost the first game, so it wasn't conducive to winning that game, but. Do you feel like they should have gone a different route? Like in these big games, I feel like these the six three one. It's it's kind of hurt them a little bit. It's hurt them against Sevilla in the past. 
Um, really, the Chelsea game, they were they. I, I felt like it didn't get the best out of players like Marco Llorente, for example. So, what do you think was the best course of action in in a game like that? This one's complicated because Simeone has his way of doing this Champions League ties, and this is like this is an argument that 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 Ohm has been making. It's like he's done this mo- like stuff like this, maybe not as extreme, but he's done more or less things along these lines and defended this deeply uh, when he, they play at home, protect like trying to prevent the opponent from doing that away goal, and it had worked for them. Uh, usually pretty well. Like, Aleti tends to be pretty good in Champions League knockouts. It's just that this was the one time where a bounce and a, and a Giroud bicycle kick kind of ruined the plan. Yeah. So, um, so uh, how do I put it? I think what we saw against Chelsea, it's something we've seen, be- we've seen them do it before. Uh, Simeone knows the trade-off. Simeone knows that his counterattacking capabilities get reduced if he defends that deep. And it is still a cho- something that he chooses to make because he thinks it's best. Of course, I would, personally, it's not the tact- a tactical approach that I, that I like a lot. And I agree with you that it doesn't, it doesn't work too well if you, even if you want to do successful counterattacks. But uh, it's worked for Simeone before. Yeah, and I will like obviously the narrative after a game like that is I mean you saw it, for those of us who spend way too much time on Twitter we saw the discourse right it was like Atletico are killing football this is terrible this is ugly football won because Chelsea won and all that stuff like I, it's not my favorite thing to watch but but also that Chelsea game and you and you brought up the point too like look what it took it to break that down it was a Hermoso mistake essentially and a Giroud freak goal. And and I don't think Chelsea played that well. And it's not like they were steamrolling Atletico and having ways of chances either and playing great football. That, that wasn't the case. So it's not it's not easy to break down that thing down. It's really not. Um, now, I you know as as a, as a Real Madrid fan in going into this particular game, you know I'm I was impressed with the way they dismantled Atletico in the first game. I I think. Going against that low block, in on one hand it'll be difficult. On the other hand, I think our, I trust our transition defense enough to think that I think we'll also limit them the other way if they decide to go this route. Um, do you? Th- what do you think is going to be different from that previous derby that we saw earlier this season, in where you know it was kind of just one way traffic. Like what adjustments do you think Simeone has to make or needs to make in order for him to have a better chance in this derby? That's a good question because I have a feeling that we might see a pretty similar game development to the previous derby. Uh, Of course, it's just whether in, in the end, whether the goals get scored or not kind of depends on how solid and efficient both teams are in the boxes. Um, one thing uh, one thing that, for example, Aleti will improve compared to the Chelsea game, for example, is that I think Llorente will now get to play uh, in a more advanced role because now Trippier gets to play wing back. So uh, I, they get back that mechanism, which is really important. I think it's the most efficient uh, chance creation mechanism that uh, that Atleti has, that Trippier to Llorente pass. 
but I also agree that Real Madrid has kind of the ideal player to block that with Mendy. Uh, so that's good. Uh, the only thing, just need to make sure that the winger is also pressuring Trippier because Trippier should not be allowed to make passes without pressure. That's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, now, but yeah, thinking about it, I don't see... I actually don't see uh, too much of a difference. Uh, in terms of how the game will develop, I don't think it will be too different from the previous derby, now that I think of it. Mendy... Mendy did shut down Marcos Llorente in the initial derby. Um, now, you, you again, you brought up the good point that Trippier now makes a difference in terms of like just giving the team more options, both defensively and offensively, but mostly offensively, and maybe allowing Mendy, or, or allowing Llorente to feel less pressure. And it's kind of Mendy has to think about a couple things now. It obviously highly depends on who's on that left flank. For Real Madrid, will it be a diamond with Isco? Will it be Vinicius? Whoever it is, you know, the there are defensive repercussions, and Casemiro, as always, will need to be active, covering both flanks, kind of from that anchor role. Um, the other one who was shut down was Luis Suarez, and it's interesting that Atletico's best two offensive players this season, who are Marcos Llorente and Luis Suarez, both eye test and statistically, and Luis Suarez, look, he kind of he kind of does it in a more subtle fashion, right? Like he can be not as active on the ball, but pop up and score at a very efficient rate. And uh, you pointed something uh, in your in your notes off air that Llorente's XG, he's quadrupling his XG. And that's something that uh, I remember tweeting about because a patron brought it to our attention a few weeks ago that I think at that time, and I have to look at it now, but it was like he had scored eight goals off of like an XG of two point something or something ridiculous like that. Um do you think that's sustainable or do you just expect this to normalize in a really dramatic fashion and it just, you know, that, cause that's an insane number. It like, if you, if I had to bet money on is Llorente, are Llorente and Suarez going to be scoring like overperforming their expected goals by this much next season? I put my money safely there. Like I know for sure that next season they're not going to be scoring at the, at the, at these rates right now. It could, they still, it's just one of these things that uh, some analysts like to say, oh, it's just chance, it's luck, that's why they're scoring, like, it's just random things that happen. I don't think so. I think it's more, uh, that that kind of XG over performance, players are humans, they're not machines, They they don't execute the same way every week, every day. Uh, Right now, yes, Suarez and Llorente are in a state of confidence that, like in a psychological state where right now, when it comes to executing in the box shooting, they're basically gods. And they're and they're going to be going to keep doing this at very efficient rates. Um, and that's kind of the scary thing. Uh, for example, you could uh, you could have Varane and, and Nacho shut down uh, Suarez for, for the entirety of 90 minutes, but all you need is the ball to get to this guy for 10 se- for a couple seconds and you're done cuz he is he's scoring our raid where he just needs a, a shot and it might become a goal and that's kind of the scary part like even if you shut him down the entire game only needs a couple seconds to really make a difference well jose let's get to the inevitable segment that we this is the recurring inevitable segment in every single preview how can real madrid 
break down the low block, and in this case, the low block on steroids and, and all that stuff in Atletico Madrid, what is the path that Zidane needs to take to, to break it down from a, from a structural, tactical, X's and O's point of view? Yes. So I think uh, in midfield areas, the most important thing to break them down is something that Real Madrid is extremely good at, which is those diagonal long balls, of which, of course, Gross is kind of the world-class specialist on this. Um, because Atleti's deep block, it's, it's pretty strong, it's a, it, but it's a structure that has its deficits, to put it this way. Why did Simeone decide to sh- shift to a line of five or even a line of six this season? Because uh, I think in previous iterations of Aleti, they had guys like Godin or Jimenez that were almost flawless at defending the box. But right now, the center backs, Felipe, Savic, Hermoso, are not are far from flawless at defending the box. Again, like what happened in the Injiru's goal. So that means that Simeone feels the need to pack in more people in the box to prevent uh, to prevent those goals and clear away danger. What is the trade-off, though? He puts more people in the box at the expense of the midfield line. So a problem with the 5-3-2 or 6-3-1 is that you only have three midfielders that have to cover the entire width of the pitch. And that's and that's something that can be exploited. Uh, you you basically attract those three midfielders to you and then send the diagonal ball to the other side where the other play where one of your other players is going to have a lot of space then to combine to send crosses etc. So that's uh, in midfield. That's kind of the key resource. Um, by the way, Simeone knows this. Knows that this is a, a defect of his uh, of his defensive shape. He will make preparations against that. For example, Aleti. Uh, when they played against Celta uh, like a month or two ago, uh, they Celta was doing the same thing to them, sending diagonal balls. They were they kept getting caught at that. And second half, Simeone actually shifted from a five-three-two block to a four-four-two. Yes, this might have like if uh, if we are really good at doing that in the first half, if Kroos is really good at exploiting that in the first half, there's a good chance Simeone. Uh, will change the defensive shape to a four-four-two to prevent it. Yeah, that's all. That's all excellent uh, to bring up I, those those defects, the kind of like structural problems that he'll encounter with that kind of scheme. I will say, like Atletico, I don't know if I've seen a team better than them, maybe ever at like thinking, like making you think that you have a switch on and you switch it to an open player and then all of a sudden, like, there's no space to that player when he gets it. And, like, they think, they make you think there's space there, but then there's not. They just take it away from you. And that 6-3-1 only makes it harder to, like, actually exploit it through a diagonal ball. But I don't, like, this is why, like, you mentioned the switch to the 4-4-2 in that game. This is why I think, like, I would rather personally as a Real Madrid fan face the 6-3-1 ultra-defensive Atleti than I would the 4-4-2 because... The six three one may be difficult, more difficult to score against, but it's you're also probably not going to concede many chances, if at all, in a in a game in a in a scheme like that. And I know that's kind of obvious to say, like you know, but I just whoever has been taking note, Real Madrid's transition defense has been good this season. Like it's actually been good, you know. But there's been a couple games where it hasn't. But even in Ramos's absence, Nacho and Varan have been fantastic defending the high line. Casemiro's been fantastic defensively. I trust Mendy with my entire life. 
So I just think like I would if they go the four four two route, I think that's harder to defend um Atleti in that in that situation. What do you think? I oh I I definitely agree with that. If uh from our defensive perspective, the only thing that I would find a bit scary is kind of uh, if Carrasco is back, that would be kind of scary, especially kind of True. a duel with Luca with Lucas because he yeah Lucas will suffer against like a good dribbler, especially like him. So if Asensio kind of was the, there too. Yeah, uh, so that is kind of the thing that I'd be scared more about Atleti. And again, and I think having Carrasco back would really improve uh, their transition attack because it re- like with a guy. Thinking about players right now in Atleti's lineup, he's the guy who's most likely to start a successful counterattack from like 70 meters away from the opposition goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you think Simeone will do with F- Zhao Felix? Do you do you think he'll start or do you think he'll come off the bench in a game like this? I that's another change that, that I would say that that's kind of the other change uh, with respect to December. Uh, my current bet is that Felix will not start, mm-hmm. and that it will he will keep being reserved as kind of the impact substitute because that has been that has been his role since December pretty much. I mean, it there were some injuries involved, but for the most part. Yeah, uh, Felix is not really a starter uh, anymore, and I would expect that instead of Felix, we're gonna get we're gonna get Correa playing along alongside Suarez, who uh, mostly for defensive for defensive purposes. So, and I would and I, what what can I say? Having having a guy like Joao Felix uh, run against tired legs in the second half, it's a pretty nice thing to have. Well, on that note, if Xiao Felix does come off the bench, which is likely, what do you think the starting lineup will be? Can you walk us through that? Yes. So uh, I would expect what is nominally um, uh, a five, the five-three-two. So, or so as usual, Oblak as the goalkeeper, uh, the center, the central defender trio, especially while Jimenez is still injured, is still Savic, Fe, Savic, Felipe, Mario Hermoso. Uh, Trippier goes back to the right wing back. Uh, if Carrasco is fit, he will start left wing back. If not, uh, Lemar has been used in this role. Uh, then in midfield, there's a good chance. Um, I think that this is important. Llorente probably goes back to midfield with now with Trippier. Now that Trippier is in, which is very important. Like that's very important because he goes back to the position where he has the most impact. Mm-hmm. And then alongside him, I would uh, Lemar could play, but. If Simeone is thinking defense, there's a good chance he'll just go with Coque and Saul, like his trusted, his most trusted midfielders. Um, and then up front, uh, Correa and Suarez. I think that would be my bet for now. Uh, maybe I'm still a bit doubtful on that Saul or Lemar, but other than that, that would be my bet. I I do think it's interesting. I mean, look, the Atleti Villarreal game that just kind of transpired, that was the that was the infamous one where Jao Felix also does that shush celebration. He looks like he's doing the the bench and, and Simeone seemed to to actually enjoy that in the post game in the post game comments saying that uh, I forget what he said, but something like uh um that it's good for him to have that kind of rebellion in him or something like that. I'm totally mm-hmm. mis mis uh 
I'm paraphrasing, but if they, if you get an angry Zhao Felix off the bench, and you know, depending on what the scoreline is at that time, you know, that's something that obviously you need to to keep an eye on. What do you think the mirror of of that is the other way? What does Real Madrid do? Because this is actually as difficult as it is to predict Real Madrid's lineups. It's actually maybe extra difficult this weekend because there's still some question marks in the air with regards to, you know, Benzema. He's back in training. Does that mean he's fit enough to start? I'm not sure. Maybe there's more incentive also because Mariano's not in the in the team, and and but maybe Mariano wouldn't have played anyway because he goes there. So what do you think Real Madrid will do? So well, so with the case of Real Madrid, uh, obviously if Benzema is fit, he will start. Just too important, just simply too important against the deep block not to start him. Uh, if he doesn't, I I have to be honest. The uh, it's. Uh, Mariano has been a bit disappointing for me as a striker, so it's uh, so if Benzema doesn't get to start, I still kind of prefer the Isco Falls nine option. Now that I think about it, well, do you, uh, I, have then, you taken a one eighty turn on Isco? Um, I am a bit more doubtful about starting Isco about against the deep block. I think against. I think both the Real Sociedad game and the Atalanta game showed that Isco is still an extremely useful asset against a team that presses you high. Against the deep block, I am a bit less I am a bit less convinced and I would still say that the priority against the deep block should be having players who can make good runs, which kind of leads me to my next point of who are going to start who who are going to start as the attackers. Uh, beside the striker this time around, because I hear uh, there are ki- there are kind of stronger rumors about Valverde starting. What do you think? I mean, if I always I love Valverde in general in any game, I, w- I would honestly, to be honest, trust him because I think he's versatile enough to everything. Like you're talking about runners and cutters in the box and all that stuff. I mentioned this to Jeremy yesterday. In in a lot of ways, Fede is our version of Marcos Llorente, obviously not at a devastatingly efficient offensive rate the way Llorente is, but in terms of just making those dangerous runs in the right half space, Fede does that really, 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 really well. And it just causes all kinds of chaos. I mean, we saw we see it on a micro level every single time he plays. We saw it immediately off the bench last game. You know, we've seen it even more tangibly, like in terms of results against Barcelona in the Clasico with the goal he scored there. I, was it last game where he had that back heel to Vasquez, the hockey assist from kind mm-hmm. of a similar position? So I think I will never like turn down the idea of Fede starting. To be honest, I trust him a lot in, in a game like this. Yep. And the other thing, oh, another tactical bit that I forgot to mention about Atleti's defense—they commit so many players to that last line of defense that lately I've started to see a deficit where. They have so many people defending that last line that they kind of forget they don't have enough men like close to the penalty spot and and zone fourteen. Hmm. It is a one way if you can get into good cutback positions. What you would like to do ideally is do that, like get to basically to the end line and send cutback to the penalty spot. And there's a it, there's a good chance that Atleti's armor will be a lot lighter in that zone. And Fede is good at making those kinds of passes. Modric, Rodrigo are good at making those kinds of passes. So I, I say this as the players uh, that I would personally 
uh, would enjoy seeing as, as start, starting this time around. Like I, some some crazy thing, like it wouldn't be beyond Zidane and I wouldn't be, for example, uh, I wouldn't be upset by the idea of something like Vinicius left winger or Emba and Fede in right wing. We've seen Fede play the right wing before and it's not a traditional thing, obviously, like a traditional right winger role, but it's actually... He's underrated in that role. He can cause a lot of chaos as this non-traditional right winger who just kind of makes these all these devastating off-ball runs and can actually just carry the ball quite a quite a quite a bit too. You mentioned the space on top of zone 14. Does that maybe leave room for or keep to keep our eyes on uh, a long Tony Cruz shot, like a cutback to a wide open Tony Cruz at the top of the box? Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> That would that would yeah, be, be that cool. would be a goal I would I would enjoy <laughs> I would enjoy a lot and and yeah so I think the attack the other attacking options besides the strikers are where where we have a bit more doubts about what Zidane will do Isco has been playing well which is why he could consider it I just think that the context versus Aleti the tactical context is very different from what it was in the games that Isco did well like Atalanta and Real Sociedad. So I have less trust about starting Isco there. Asensio, I just, at this point, I don't trust him in in any tactical context, to be honest. So uh, I, I think I think after uh, what we saw from Valverde, Vinicius, Rodrigo against Real Sociedad, I do think they are kind of the way to go. And especially against a defense like Aletis, you need that the kind of aggressive movement that these three players offer. So... I think there is an ar- a strong argument for starting them over, say, Isco or Asensio. Um, I know you kind of already have touched on this indirectly, but what do you think are the key matchups in, in, in this game? So a bit like last time, uh, I think the most decisive matchup is still Mendy versus Llorente. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, it's kind of amazing that we're saying this in 2021, but Marcos Llorente is the most important uh, player in Atleti's attacking system. If you uh, get to nullify him, then you nullify a lot of uh, Atleti's threat. This is what happened back in December. Mendy won that duel. If he can win it again this time around, that'd be great. So that's a big one. Um. What did we miss, Jose? Uh, it's easily uh, it's easy for me to kind of miss things because this conversation has been all over the place. But what what do you is there anything that we haven't hit that you feel is important before I wrap it up? Thinking about this, like for example, matchups on the offense is always a bit difficult when I talk about Atleti because it's not against Atleti. It's not. It's very hard. Aleti are such a good defense that it's very hard for a single player to make a difference. I'm not going to tell you that, ooh, Benzema against this player could could be a threat. It's usually not how it works with Aleti. Breaking down Aleti is a collective job. And and that's really why these guys are the uh, arguably the toughest defensive side on the planet because it really forces you... It, it's a team that has gotten so good at what they do that... It, that a lot of the time you just those bits of individual brilliance that def- that decide other kinds of games, a lot of the time they don't happen against Atletico, and that's and that's the problem. There's no, I don't see any key matchup from our attackers with them that would, that I would say, oh, this is going to be decisive. No, they just 
we just have to be really, really good at moving the ball around and disordering their defense if we want to have a chance. I think we got it all then. Um, this is going to be a fascinating game to break down after the fact. I'm sure of it. So everyone listening to this, make sure that uh, you're ready on Sunday night when we break it down in the postgame show. That's also going on the free RSS feed. Jose, thank you so much, man. Uh, we're going to, I guess, keep our eyes peeled for your your written version of this, which is also very interesting. Um, that'll go up on managingmadrid.com. Um, and please go follow Jose on Twitter at JC Perez underscore. So, Jose, appreciate your time, my friend. And thank you for doing this and enjoy the match. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me here. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you around. <laughs>